0: We pray, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Dear friends in Christ, our focus this morning is on the hand of God. The psalmist extols the wisdom of God in creation when he writes, The earth is full of your possessions, animals great and small, the sea and Leviathan and all that swarms in it. These all look to you, he continues. It looked to you to give them their food in due season. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are filled with good things. When you hide your face, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die, and they return to their dust. In our text this morning from 1 Kings chapter 17, we see the hand of God hard against the land. The hand of God is against the king. The first recorded words of Elijah are these. As Yahweh, the God of Israel, lives, before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. God's hand is a hand of judgment against Ahab, judgment against the sins of Jeroboam in which he walked, even worse, the sin of Jezebel, his wife, for whom he erected a temple to Baal. And it's not just Ahab. Baal himself is in the docket, this pagan god of fertility with his temple prostitutes and sacrifices. Was he any good without rain? <laughs> we'll find out, because there will be no rain without the word of God's prophet. God's hand is hard against the land, it's hard against the people. But the stage is also set for God's other hand, a hand of compassion a hand of mercy, a hand of grace. First, beside the book, Carith, on the other side of the Jordan, the hand of God took the form of a raven. Morning and evening it came with bread and meat. Elisha drank from the brook until that too dried up. And then the word of Yahweh came again. Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. God's hand was heavy upon this woman as well. Widowhood in the ancient Near East was a difficult and dangerous place to be. Her economic status was founded on her husband, who was no more. Her hope for a future lay in a son, who was too young. Later, when the son dies, we read that Elijah took him from her bosom. It may be figurative language, but I suspect it's probably closer to literal. And her plight. Her plight is intensified by God's hand against others. You can hear the despair in her voice. I am gathering a couple of sticks, literally two sticks, that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. God's hand is too heavy on me. We hear the despair, but we also hear... Challenge and confession. As Yahweh, your God, lives, I have nothing. It's not my God, it's your God. Gods were typically connected to places and people groups at that time. So how did she know Elijah's God? She was miles from Israel, on the Mediterranean coast, between Sidon and Tyre. Perhaps it was his Hebrew dress and speech. We're not told. But these are first article issues and fourth petition questions. It's certainly appropriate as we celebrate our harvest festival today. Already mouths are watering and tummies are grumbling. The smell of turkey and pumpkin pies, way more pumpkin pies than we could possibly eat, filters up from the fellowship hall. It's a challenging issue in a land of excess. Who among us has missed a meal for want? Instead, we trifle over the quality of produce at Safeway. And we lament the lack of choice at Freddy's compared to his stores on the other side of the hill, but starve to death? This is the widow's future. Unless the hand of God intervenes. We confessed earlier, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. What does this mean? I believe that God has made me and all creatures, that He's giving me my body and soul, eyes, ears, and all my members my reason and all my senses, and still takes care of him. He also gives me clothing and shoes, food and drink, house and home, wife and children, land, animals, and all that I have. He richly and daily provides me with all that I need to support this body and life. We confess it. We teach our children this in catechism. But is it is a part of our lives? Do we sense God's hand in the stuff of our lives, God's hand behind our accounts and acquisitions, God's hand in our daily toil and labor. We return to Zarephath and the widow's challenge. Verse 13 is really the crux of our reading, indeed, of our life and hers. Elijah said to her, do not fear, go and do as you have said. But first, make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterward, make something for yourself and your son. This is the challenge of stewardship. To return to God first. Not the leftovers. Not whatever is excess. Not whatever we can do without. He doesn't say, bake it all and we'll all sit down and enjoy the meal together. No. First, make me a little cake. And afterward, for you. This is the first point of our text, to recognize God's hand in this and in every blessing. To trust, to put our faith in the promise of verse 14. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, The jar of flour shall not be spent, and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. For the widow, it was to trust the literal sense of those words. For you and I, it is to trust the figurative sense. The jar of flour and the jug of oil is all that I need to support this body and life, to use Luther's words from the Catechism. Recall the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus pointing to the lilies of the field. What did he say? Not even Solomon, in all his glory, was arrayed as one of these. Therefore, seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. God's hand will sustain us in this age. The second part of the text is really closely related. The widow is the hand of God. In the reformer's language, she is the mask of God. By her hand, Elijah receives a cup of water and a cake of bread. From God, through her. By our hand, we fill the boxes in the narthex in the basement for the school backpack program. From God, through our hand, the children eat over the weekend. By our hand, the elders' fund pays the rent and keeps the lights on for the struggling in our community from God through us. These are fourth petition questions. We pray, give us this day our daily bread. Well, what does that mean? God certainly gives daily bread to everyone without our prayers, even to all evil people. But we pray in this petition that God would lead us to realize this and to receive our daily bread with thanksgiving. Notice how Luther puts that. God feeds evil people. So should we. President Harrison observes, Jesus loved people, God, body, and soul. We do well to love our neighbor, Christian or not, with our words, the gospel, and our deeds. So the summary of the first two points is this. God's hand for us. God's hand through us. Yet the widow of Zarephath raises an even larger question regarding the hand of God. Why her? Journey with me to Nazareth and the widow's son. You recall the story as Luke recounts it. Immediately after the temptation in the wilderness, Jesus returns to Galilee and goes into his hometown and enters the synagogue on the Sabbath as was his custom. And he reads from the prophet Isaiah and rolls up the scroll, hands it back, and then he declares, Today... The scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And immediately, the questions begin. Is this not Joseph's son? And then in that context, we hear the only New Testament reference to our text, to the widow at Zarephath. But in truth, I tell you, Jesus continues, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heavens were shut up for three years and six months, and a great famine came over all the land, And Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath, to the land of Sidon, to a widow. It's the problem of election. God's hand for this widow and not another. It's such a divisive question that that scene ends in attempted murder. God's hands of mercy seems capricious at times. One and not another. We confess that our salvation is 100% passive. This is third article questions. I believe that I cannot, by my own reason or strength, believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him. The Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with the gifts, his gifts, sanctified and kept me in the one true faith. It's Ephesians 2. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it's the gift of God. God's hand for you. It's, of course, Scandalous in our world. We at least want to gather the two sticks, right? To bake the bread with the widow and bring it? No. Of ourselves, we are dead in trespasses and sin. So why does God's hand pick one and not another? Finally, it's the wrong question. Around the table in 1532, Luther commented, We now have the word, therefore we ought not doubt our salvation. This is the way to debate the question. I am baptized. I have the word. Therefore I should have no doubt about salvation, as long as one stays with the word. As soon as you let Christ out of your sight, then one encounters predestination and debates it. Thus God says, why don't you believe me? Don't you hear me when I say to you that you are accepted and your sins are forgiven? We are always too skillful at running away from the word. Close quote. In other words, Luther refused to allow our theoretical imagination about God's secret will to cloud our assurance that comes in the word and sacrament. You are redeemed. You are bought with the blood of Christ. The problem for us is, The question always comes with a human face. A spouse or a sibling that has turned their back on the church. A child or companion that has followed the ways of this world. A friend outside the faith we would dearly love to have as a brother or sister in Christ. We agonize with Paul in Romans 9 over our kindred according to the flesh. So what can we do in the face of apparent rejection? Well, recall Paul's words in Romans 9, verse 6. It is not as though the word of God has failed. The seed is good. It will produce fruit. And second, pray. Especially the second petition, Thy kingdom come, which the small catechism reminds us is a prayer for the Holy Spirit and for faith. And remember, your neighbor's faith in God is hidden from us. It's not for us to divide and dissect. And finally, God's hand may not be working through us, but through another. Romans 9.16 So that it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God, who has mercy. God's hand, God's word, does not return empty. We see that hand in the widow of Zarephath. God's hand for her to sustain her in this life and through her to sustain others. It's the same hand of God that touches and sustains our lives. God's hand to her by grace to know the true God. Salvation comes to her and to us through the love and sacrifice and servanthood of Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. God's hand sustains us now and for eternity. Amen. Now may the peace which surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.